everybody. My name is uh, Brady Dale, and I am here with Lightbulb Talks, the conversations on Twitter Spaces, and uh, and now also on the podcast Spacecasts, where we talk about matters in crypto that hopefully have the goal of bringing folks to the sort of light bulb moment that brought some of us uh, into like really getting why this technology could potentially be different and transformative. And so, you know, uh, before we bring on tonight's guests, uh, I wanted to just sort of begin with a uh, thought for everyone. Uh, something I've been thinking about with uh, crypto and something I asked about and got a pretty big response from on Twitter. I'll, I'll share that tweet in a little bit. Um, I asked one Saturday how DeFi made people feel. And I thought that was kind of a weird question because, you know, we don't really think about feelings too much in the world of technology. The idea is we want uh, to sort of get past feelings to sort of like bring the human out of the equation. Um, but of course, particularly with decentralized finance, it's really just this massive computation machine of a bunch of operations that humans are doing. And I think we need better language for feelings and emotions in this space because clearly so much of it is driven by emotions. But when I asked people this question, they mostly gave these really positive answers. Like it made them feel liberated. It made them feel powerful. It made them feel like there was potential, which is all cool. That's that's great. But I just can't help but think that there are more complex feelings at play in cryptocurrency. Um and I think feelings are important because sometimes there's things, there's decisions that we're making and there's a million variables. And it seems like when you write things down on a list that we know the right thing to do, but we get, I, I call it the getchy feeling, which is a, a reference to this old comic book called Bone. Uh, it's what the grandma in the comic book used to say when, when things looked bad, she was got the getchy feeling. And I, I say the same thing too, because I feel like there's a level in which our brains are able to do this complex computation that we don't really have access to and all our brain can really tell us is just like this feels bad deep down inside of us right and that is powerful so maybe it is less that emotions are irrational and at least at times um, that emotions reflect sort of a deeper level of rationality than we really have access to so you know i'm going to be talking about this more at the beginnings of these shows. This is a thought I want to continue to unpack. It doesn't really have anything to do with the, the conversation ahead, uh, or maybe it will. We'll find out, but it wasn't really planned that way. This is just sort of something I want to start exploring with listeners on here and with listeners of the SpaceCast podcast, um, because I think I think that there is something to dealing with this question of emotion as we get into the DeFi space. But anyway, uh, that's enough on that. Let's let's focus in on what the main topic of what brings us here tonight. So again, as I said, I'm Brady Dale. Um, this is Lightbulb Talks, a part of the SpaceCast podcast collective. Uh, for folks who have been on before and are uh, coming back tonight, you know, welcome back. One thing to know is if you put your hand up to participate later, um, we are actually recording tonight I'll, and we'll be recording from now on. So um, I'll, I'll remind everyone of that again. So just, you know, be sure that you're cool with being on uh, a recording and being on a podcast if uh, if you if you want to throw your hand up. So anyway, tonight's uh, guest uh, is Tyler Spalding. Tyler is the CEO of the Flexa Network. I first met Tyler at a little social gathering at Consensus. Uh, he, was a, he was a great guy to hang out with. Um, but before that, uh, folks uh, at the company I work for, Coindesk, had really been, you know, talking up 
uh, his project, which was a, an app that makes it easier for people to um, uh, to spend crypto and uh, and to spend it in real ways. Like you could spend it in a coffee shop, you could buy a suit with it, you could you know maybe buy a car with it, you know whatever. Um, and so folks are really excited about it. The company is called Flexa. Hopefully later, and so we'll talk to Tyler. He'll. He'll talk more about why he thinks spending is an important application of crypto. Of course, that's how it all started, um, but it's been less of an emphasis lately. So that'll be interesting to hear his take on. Um, hopefully, also we'll have uh, Lale Clausen coming on. Um, uh, Lasse Clausen coming on. Sorry, I said his name wrong. Uh, one of Tyler's investors at One KX, um, a venture fund. Uh, he uh, he's traveling right now, so he's not here right at the start. Um, but yeah, we'll have a broad conversation about crypto, about DeFi, um, about Flexa, and maybe some things besides Flexa. A lot to talk about. But again, with the goal of helping folks listen, get to those kind of like aha moments that makes all this stuff uh, make sense. So, uh, Tyler, I have invited you up to the stage. Are you here? Yes, I see you. Welcome. Hey, Brady. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, man. You sound great. Uh, not as good as you. Uh, we have been able to speak many times in person, as you mentioned. Um, but hearing only you on audio, uh, you have a great like radio voice. Oh, well, thank like, you. Kind of that calm kind of... I-, I love it. So I was just kind of listening to what you were saying there. So uh, this is going to be fun. Cool. Great. Well, welcome, Tyler. Uh, great to have you here. Do, do you feel like I adequately introduced Flexa as a concept? Uh, in general, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really just about, I mean, the one thing I might add is that it's just really merchant focused. Mm-hmm. So even though we use cryptocurrencies and other digital assets, which are going to be phenomenal, and I think kind of game changing in many different ways. And that's why I'm really excited about it. But it's really a a merchant focused tool and that this isn't a technology that we're starting to kind of push into the market. This is something that we've seen now over, you know, decades and we've really built a technology to really slot in for this massive market need. Um, and what do you, mer- so, why, yeah. why are you merchants? What as, as opposed to what, like, I don't understand what you're, what I said, what are you carving out that I sort of, that was suggested at the start? I know, I know you're not like, but what uh, merchants as opposed to, Oh yeah, so it's just the the slight piece of around. It's a it's a merchant focused payments network. Okay, so it, it's something that as opposed to like that, a P two P sort of payment network or like yeah a, exactly okay, yep, okay for sure yeah hundred percent cool yeah 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 no I we'll we'll talk about some more of that stuff. I know you took it to the Mall of America, which is pretty cool. But listen, before well actually this is directly to the, to the point. Actually, as I was reviewing stuff for the show tonight. I saw for me that you had a very recent piece of news that I was like extremely excited to see. Probably most people listening uh, will not be as excited, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and I sent <laughs> it to my um, to my old editor, Zach, because I, I think he'll agree as well. You guys are live on Sheets now. Uh, and for folks who don't know, Sheets is like the first or second coolest gas station in the country. So like... <laughs> I was super excited to see that. I don't, you couldn't explain, but, um, but yeah, Sheets is cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost live. So just one caveat to that, and that it's uh, okay. all really been finalized. We've got it announced. Uh, it's through our partner NCR, so it's a native integration. We're going to be doing all sorts of stuff. But totally agree, man. Like getting this to be usable, unlike the day to day uses, and people being able to have it work as seamlessly. You know, as like their credit cards or cash, like that's really what this is about. So Sheets is a perfect example. Um, if you read into it a little bit, 
we even mentioned that you're going to be able to use Flexa-enabled apps like at the fuel pump now. And that's just a really cool thing to be able to have an integration um, with those kind of payment, uh, I guess, the service providers and, and the APIs and be able to actually literally know what pump you're at and be able to pay, make a payment at the fuel pump, we think is really cool. And again, like a massive step towards making these sorts of digital payments like ubiquitous. Um, we followed that up with uh, our online launch, if you saw that as well. So now you can use Flexa on a variety of e-commerce plugins uh, right out of the box. And that's live now. Well, that's cool, but it's not as immediately cool uh, as Sheets. Uh, just for folks who don't know about Sheets, so I lived in Pennsylvania for a long time, and Sheets is one of the big, um, it's like the luxury gas station of Pennsylvania, and probably like a little bit further out. But like you can order a sandwich while, and this makes a lot of sense, but you're like, you're on the road, you're hungry, while you're pumping your gas, you can order a sandwich on a little touchscreen um, you know, outside, outside the station. And they're always like really clean and nice inside. And they have like a little bit better selection than other gas stations. But like, you know, they're very forward thinking. One time I actually, it's funny, I, really quick story. I was on a plane and I sat, I was sitting next to some woman and, you know, I don't normally talk to people on planes, but I, I did talk to her and I was like, what do you do? And she was like, oh, I'm a publisher of a magazine. And I was like, oh, what magazine? She's like, well, you wouldn't know it. it it's a trade publication. And I was like, oh, cool. What's just out of curiosity? What's the trade? And she was like, well, it's convenience stores actually. And and I was like, oh, Sheets, huh? And she was like, yeah, Sheets is a really good one. And I was like, yeah, man. Also, Wawa. Another another Pennsylvania chain. So anyway, get, get in Wawa, then I'll be really excited. Um, CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Cool. Well, welcome. And I see I see that we also... Uh, Lasse Clausen has joined us as well. He made it, so... I have made it. I have made it. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. I, I hope he didn't rush too much. Thank it was you. it was really no big deal if, if you were a little bit later, but uh, it's great to have you here. Do you want? I, I know you're with 1KX. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, Lasse? Yes, I'm Lasse. I'm one of the founding partners of 1KX, uh, former software entrepreneurs who stumbled into crypto very early uh, because of Berlin and have been running a token-only fund since 2018. Uh, have invested in fine projects such as Flexa, Arweave, uh, Terra in the earliest rounds and uh, have raised 
our LPs are folks like Gnosis, Corby, Sparkpool, and a bunch of other very smart people. Cool. Great. Well, it's great to have you both here. So, you know, as I was explaining at the start, like, I try to get, you know, I know I had some aha moments for crypto, and it's sort of what I'm trying to, like, orient these shows around. So maybe we could start that with both of you. You know, um, Tyler, I know you're a serial entrepreneur, but I think this is your first crypto company. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, and then last thing you just said a little bit there, I'd be curious if you both could name, I mean, there's, maybe there's a few, I have a few to be honest, but like, what's the one that comes to mind or feels most salient the time that crypto really tripped over for you. And you were like, Oh, this is a big deal, whichever one of the two of you wants to start. Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump in, uh, Man, uh, Brady, uh, being in crypto now for more than 10 years, uh, I've probably had about like 30 of those moments where you sort of see something that's really impactful of like, wow, this will, really will be a big deal. And it is or it isn't. And that just continues onward, though. This, this technology and how, how just quickly it's expanding and people are jumping in and, and, and the real stuff, the hype and everything, uh, we joke all the time that it's like, uh, you know, one one year in real life is 20 crypto years or something to that effect. So there's been lots of them. Um, I would just mention my first one that I'm most passionate about was Great. really payments. I mean, it clearly was payments to me. So when I first found Bitcoin, wow, this was uh, like February of 2011, you could make a payment for free to anyone uh, on the Internet pretty much for no cost. Right. And so that's evolved uh, in many different ways. But when I first kind of came across that, this sovereign sort of money or this sovereign technology, anyone can participate. I mean, you could uh, CPU mine Bitcoin back then. Uh, it was very, very accessible. Right. ASICs weren't even you know, a thing. Um, it was so democratized. And I thought, wow, this is going to be so game changing um, for payments. And that hasn't come quite true uh, for a variety of reasons. But nonetheless, that permissionless nation um, kind of feature, uh, being permissionless and being able to now send money without all these gatekeepers and without all these fees and more or less instant, um, I think that is going to change uh, many, many things for the better. And I think it has. Um, not directly necessarily, but in a lot of other ways. Um, and that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing as well. Cool. Lasse, what about you? What was your kind of conversion moment? Um, to be honest, I, I tried Bitcoin as a payment system in 2012, and it wasn't actually the moment. I thought it was, I thought it actually was cool technology, or, or, or the UX was good, uh, but uh, I didn't see basically the Bitcoin core guys doing what Flexa is doing, which is, you know, really building something that merchants will actually uh, use it. So basically extracting away the... the some of the user experience complexity of, of crypto. Uh, and then I think really for me was, was just using Ethereum. I think that's really where, um, you know, also this sort of sense of sovereign money, you can just, you know, send uh, for investments, you can send large amounts of money around the world anytime you want. Uh, and then bit by bit, um, getting into DeFi, basically the first sort of experiences of, of you know, more complex smart contract interactions, some of derivatives, uh, yeah, like financial transactions 24-7, anytime you want, with lots of money, 
and I'm uh, I think it really resonated with me because I hate paperwork. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know something happened to me maybe as a kid or something, but I'm like allergic against bureaucracy. Yeah, and paperwork. It could also be because I'm from Germany, and there's this whole layer of middle stem people just baked into the system. So everything you do, you gotta pay people to just shuffle papers around. It's insane. Yeah, and uh, a lot of my <laughs> entrepreneurial frustration was was just. And the most, yeah, the biggest frustration of an entrepreneur in Germany was just the bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. that makes and, me. Uh, that makes me think of when, um, you know, when car share kind of came around. Um, you know, the, the systems where, you know, there were just cars in the street. And if you remember, you could just hop in one and, you know, drive it and, you know, you paid for it, what you used. And, but even still today, weirdly, for whatever reason, you go to a, just a traditional rental car place and you still have to go through all these steps to like walk out the door of the car. And I'm just, I'm always just like, but if I'm in car share, I can just hop in one and go and just, I swipe my membership and we're all good. Like, why can't it be that way for you guys? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, right? You you go to the counter and they start typing like a whole novel into their thing. <laughs> right. I'm like, what the hell are these people typing? The same in hotels. Just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so those things are, are really powerful. I'll just, while we're, I'll give one here too, because I think it fits into what both of you were saying. And I know these guys are investors. I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they are investors in Flexa, uh, Tyler. But the, yes. it was the, it was the Winklevoss brothers. I was at South by Southwest 2015. Was it 2015? That sounds right. Might have been 2016. Who cares? They were on stage with John Biggs, actually, uh, you know, kind of a friend of mine, mm-hmm. a good guy. And they were just kind of talking about why they believed in Bitcoin. And, you know, I had written some stories about crypto at that point was still, you know, I mean, I always am interested in new technology. So, so I was kind of at that level, but I wasn't super sold. And one of the things they said, they said a lot of things that they believed in about it. Um, but one of the things they said was, you know, you can send a billion dollars anywhere in the world for basically the same price as sending $10. And uh, it's a lot lower than what it would cost to do that with traditional rails. And it's a lot faster. And it's just so obviously much better that we just can't help but believe it's not going to be really important in the future. There's a good chance everyone keeps using dollars, but under the hood, Bitcoin is moving everything around. You know, this was 2015, so I think people see the world a little bit different now. But they they did a nice job of articulating this, like, transformative difference where I was just like, oh, okay, that is a very good argument. I should take this more seriously. So that was kind of a that was kind of a big one for me. Um, but so, okay, so, but you both sort of generally agree that, like, this payments thing is really crucial. So, you know, tell me this in terms of other hot stuff going on right now. What's you all's, and I, I mean this completely seriously. This is going to sound like a joke, but I mean it seriously. <laughs> what's you all's take on this Doge movement that's happening right now? Because, you know, when you get past all the hype and the meme stuff and you talk to those folks, that's what they're into. They're like, we want this to work for payments and we think it can. Like, are, are you guys... What's your take there? Are you wanting to get involved with them? Do you take it seriously? What's your thought on the on the Doge thing as a as a as an argument for payments in crypto? Oh man, that's a that's a I, there's a long answer in there. Um, to, to start off, I would say uh, we even recently enabled Doge uh, on Flexa uh, because our I mean the way that we view this is that anything that any digital asset that a user or consumer has that they ascribe value to. We should enable you to use that, whether it's you know your digital dollars, whether it's Bitcoin, uh, Dogecoin, or loyalty points, or, or any digital asset that you want to spend natively from your wallet. That's what we really want to do. That's what we want to enable. And more importantly, merchants want that. 
merchants don't care. They just want to get paid, right? They want to get paid as cheaply, efficiently as possible with no fraud, right? So to them, it's just a, a cost of doing business, right? R regardless of what you pay with, whether it's credit card or cash or otherwise. So for us, starting off, we absolutely want to enable anything that people find value valuable. You know, I'm not, that's like how even Bitcoin has been started in these open networks, right? It's like, who am I to, to judge or say what you can or cannot use, mm -hmm. right? If you find it valuable and you want to contribute and you think that network is something you believe in for whatever reason, I, I'm really going to support that. Um, so that's just kind of starting off. Um, the second piece is that it's, interesting i guess from a tech perspective and that you know it really hasn't been changed or modified now in a very long time uh it's merged mind which means it'll probably be stable from a network perspective for a while so it'll be around um that said you know is it a is it an investable thing is the network going to be more valuable it's really hard to say right it's uncapped inflation there's going to be lots and lots of these tokens out there um, as we all understand, a huge amount of its value or interest is that meme value. Mm -hmm. So we just got to see what that looks like. Um, so it's probably like other assets, right? Falling some victim to the hype and otherwise. But, you know, that might not be the case. Maybe people will use it. It's a usable network. Uh, I actually don't know enough about its actual throughput and how usable it could be on chain. So is that a thing where there's going to be congestion, lots of people using it? Um, sadly, I'm behind uh, in my Doge uh, deep technical analysis of the network, <laughs> understanding its capacity. Uh, but it is something that works and it's stable and the wallets work, you know, that sort of stuff, which already is 99% better than a lot of other projects that are out there that, yeah, you yeah. know, are just vaporware or just don't even work well. Um, and the network won't get forked um, generally, um, just because it's um, it's how it's how it's merged mined. So it's always possible, right? So I'm not saying it's not, but like you know, hostile network takeovers are going to be less likely. So yeah, it's interesting, um, but it's really hard to say. Lots of dynamics. I'm generally supportive of it, though, um, cool. and I would say more power to the people behind it. They want to use it. They find it valuable. They want to buy stuff with it. Like all day long, I want to help enable that. What about you, Lasse? I would, I would say that, uh, it, you know, generally people don't want to spend investment assets because they think they're going to become wealthy with them. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then my my suspicion is that the majority of people that are holding Doge right now are holding it because they want to become wealthy. Right. Uh, so Likely, yeah. Right. So from that angle, I... Um, I probably wouldn't bet heavily on Doge becoming, you know, replacing the US dollar as a medium of exchange. <laughs> but um, I also, we generally try to be in a position where we're pretty stupid and still successful. And so an investment in Flexa is that where I don't have to be picked whether Doge is going to be the medium of exchange or USDC right, right. or DAI or Ether, whatever. Uh, you know, basically, Flexa doesn't care. Any one of those that's legit and has enough liquidity is, you know, can be used. And so that's kind of how how we try to think, how can we be not smart and still be successful? The, the two points that I found a little bit interesting on Doge are, well, there was some, I wish I had it in front of me. I, I should have looked it up. But there was, there was some story recently that came out about like some unusually large amount of like really just normal spending activity that happened 
with Doge. And I, you know, when when the Doge thing was kind of going, they're still happening. I appeared in some Twitter spaces that folks were doing. You know, the Doge community is very into Twitter spaces. They, they have big ones. Uh, a lot of people join them. Um, and I showed up in some of them and, and listened to them. And I said a few things and sort of answered some questions and stuff, uh, you know, as a reporter. But um, they were they were really passionate and really engaged and like spending a lot of time talking about it, you know, and there is there is this sort of level on which sometimes when folks stick together for long enough, you kind of can't sleep on them. So I guess that's the other thing I wonder about. But I, I do think you're right. Like I asked questions you know, I was just like, look, the payments thing is hard for a very volatile cryptocurrency. People get reluctant to spend if they hope it'll go up. So what's you all's plan to, like, come up with a workaround there? Are you going to build a Doge stablecoin or something? And and definitely met the Twitter spaces equivalent of bank blank looks for that. Um, but so, you know, we'll see. But so b- before we go into my other questions, uh, a couple of quick things. I just want to say it seems like we've had some more folks join. We're going to open this up in a little bit to, for folks who have questions or just want to make comments on the things that we've talked about. Just a reminder, I'm now a part of the SpaceCast Collective, so this is being recorded. If you do join us, you know, sort of taking that as consent to be recorded and and uh, rebroadcast on SpaceCasts, you know, definitely subscribe to SpaceCast. It's sort of an interesting new model of podcasts. Um, a bunch of different shows are on there. And but before we start, you know, I imagine a bunch of people over here um, hold some cryptocurrency. If you've held cryptocurrency, you know, over the last few months. Um, some of it has been solidly in the green because that is the era that we're in. Um, so let me just ask a quick question here and you can just respond. If folks are looking, there's this little heart at the bottom of the screen, uh, where you can like touch something and it makes a little emote pop up. I just did it. I just made a fist. So do that. If any of, if any, any of you over the last, you know, few months as the bull run has gotten underway, have made some surprising money. Uh, that you had in your crypto, but you didn't have in your bank account, and you were ever anywhere over this last month or so, and you were like, you know what, I would I would buy this jacket, I would have dinner here uh, right now if I could pay for it with my crypto earnings this second, which I have because I don't have the cash to cover it, but I do have it in crypto. So give us a give us an emoji if that's something you thought. We're seeing some here. All right, cool, good signs. Good signs for Tyler's business there with those, those fists and hundreds going up. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, um, so yeah. So Tyler, tell us. So the, give us the quick, the sort of simple rundown for how Flexo works. I mean, I feel like that the thing that is important to understand for folks is that like payments are complicated. You need backstops on payments, and and I feel like that's kind of the key solution that Flexa has solved. There's there's a staking system that kind of protects against. Um, malfeasance or mistakes. So if you could give us sort of a really quick rundown of sort of how Flex and make this all work, that would be cool. Yeah. So the, uh, the, I guess the quick summary is that Flexa just integrates with all the hardware and software that merchants have. So whatever that will look like. So that's kind of Flexa's core, core business is working through all the stuff that's already there, allowing payments to be made through the existing hardware and software. And that is, it could be 15 different integrations. It's legacy integrations. It's all the real unsexy backend technology stuff. But it's a very old school focus of how can we just pass an authorization to a merchant through their point of sale system. And they might have a scanner to where they can scan your phone or they don't. And that you would then have to scan a barcode that's displayed on the merchant terminal. So it's all those various combinations of how you can just make a payment authorization to a merchant. So 
that's what we do. And then we can pay the merchant after the, after the effect um, in just dollars to their bank account. And so not only all the technical pieces around that, but the legal pieces around that, you know, being a money services business, operating in various jurisdictions, that's way more complicated and messy than you'd ever think. Uh, but that's really, really what we do. Um, but then we open up the other side through an SDK and we basically let any wallet or any app integrate with the Flexa payments pipe, essentially. We're just a payments pipe that allows any asset to come in and then we allow it to then go into the merchant, pay the merchant. It's all 100% real time. Uh, our payments in stores or online are typically around you know, 200, 300 milliseconds all in, regardless of whatever asset you're paying with. And it's all 100% instant. Um, and so that's really the service. And then you kind of hinted a little bit, you know, of, you know, all that kind of that old school integration pieces. We really then are this also hybrid pure DeFi company where to make all these payments in real time and to make sure these integrations on the wallet side are done you know, correctly and that there aren't any malicious actors of sending assets or uh, forking chains or not integrating software correctly, not sending the assets to Flexa, um, we created this, this staking mechanism. And so anyone can stake our network token, which is called AMP, A-M-P. So anyone can stake these tokens. These tokens serve as collateral in the network. So essentially you would be staking all of a certain wallet. So let's say Gemini. Uh, Gemini Pay is live uh, on Flexa right now. So if you have the Gemini Exchange app, you can spend any of your assets through the Flexa-enabled merchants. Um, you would be staking all of Gemini's users uh, with the AMP token. And so that serves as collateral to basically let the network permissionlessly accept all of these payments. And then all of the fee that we collect from the merchants, we use to basically market purchase the AMP token, which is a fixed supply token. And we distribute that automatically back to all the people providing the collateral. So what all that means, uh, you provide collateral, uh, you stake wallets, and then you earn all of the fees in the network. So that's generally how it will work in terms of now Flexa can be a totally permissionless, anyone can integrate the SDK, any wallet, ultimately almost any asset. We're working really hard to get as many assets as we can, but that's really the vision is any app, uh, any wallet, any asset now spendable instantly uh, online and in stores uh, all through Flexa. And I feel like we've made massive progress towards enabling that. As you kind of mentioned earlier, we got Sheets and a whole bunch of other national merchants now um, live. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, it's really starting to happen. <clears throat> and so, and when, when folks, um, when folks, by the way, I just want to say to both, um, uh, to both of you, since you're both speakers, just so you know, if there's anything that you want to share with, the, like any tweets that you think are relevant to this stuff that you want to share with the people who are in the room, um, you can just do that. You can just go on your Twitter feed and um, select share and you'll see a share in the space that you're in option. It's kind of cool. Um, so feel free to do that. So a question to both of you um, is, I correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but everyone who is, all the merchants who are getting paid, for them they're still getting paid in the fiat currency of their choice, which I imagine is usually dollars. Though I know you guys are in Canada, for example, so not entirely. Um, well, I guess it's still dollars, but it's Canadian dollars. But anyway, um, but so 
I think to some folks, uh, I'll confess a little bit, me included, the fact that folks are getting ultimately paid in fiat makes it feel a little bit like it isn't really a full crypto. It's not a full crypto payment yet. So tell me why I'm wrong or or why I'm right, if that's what you want to do either way. But I, but sort of give me your take on that on that sort of uh, quibble. Ah, um, you're actually totally wrong. No offense. Okay, um, no worries. It's, the, not, it's not the first the, time. <laughs> uh, the crypto payments are actually by default. Um, so we do not have to change it or exchange it at all. Uh, in fact, you know, we talk around like Bitcoin, like we can natively process lightning payments. So we could let all of these merchants accept lightning payments through Bitcoin, like literally now. And they can receive Bitcoin into whatever account they would like. And we can literally do that now. And we will be doing that. Um, the reality, though, is that the largest merchants that we've started to facilitate now are just looking for dollars because that's operationally how they run their businesses. Right. But we've actually had quite a bit of interest on the small and medium side. But no, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, being a sort of this like freedom of choice um, movement and what's also beneficial to the merchants and the consumers, um, all the assets would be natively paid through. Um, it's only the conversion if the merchant is requesting it. So it is by no means a, a default state where you can only receive dollars. Um, yeah, anything that you'd want to receive, you can. Um, I think my, my take is that, you know, to be realistic, like the, the merchants, they, they don't want another iPad on the counter. They don't want to trade their employees, right? If you if you retail chain with hundreds of thousands of employees, um, thank you, uh, it, it, you know, that, that they don't want to do that. And so kind of the, the Trojan horse is just to send them US dollars the next day for bank wire. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I feel like we lost you a little bit there. Lasse? No, I think we lost him. Uh, well, we can, we can come back to it. Um, so, and I was looking also, I think this was interesting to me, Tyler, kind of just going into the benefits of using Flexa. Was I understanding your website that like, there's a level on which if you pay for something with Flexa, like if, if you were at a store and you bought something with Flexa, that you have, um, privacy gains from doing so that you would not have if you'd done that payment with a credit card or by some other means. Is that correct? Hell yes. <laughs> That's uh, really important to how this all works too. So uh, when you use a normal credit card, right, that all that information is all of your sensitive information is being passed through every single entity, like up to 12 entities throughout that chain. Um, and even everyone will see your, you know, your name, your account number, expiration date, all that information, whereas the way that Flexa works, and so this is for any app on Flexa, there's going to be one on-chain transaction that will be from a user wallet to Flexa generically, but that's the only public information that will ever be disclosed, and zero information will go to the merchant unless you want it to. So mm -hmm. if you want to add you know, um, loyalty information right. or anything that's actually beneficial to you, you absolutely can. But by default, actually no information gets passed to the merchant itself. It's literally just a payment authorization. No other identifiable information. It's just a 
one-time sort of on-chain transaction that would be a generic account that you would see um, of like a wallet getting sent into the Flexa network and not to any of the merchants specifically. So it's kind of like <clears throat> you're paying, it's, it's, you have the advantages of an electronic payment and you don't have to fuddle, fundle, mess with coins or sort out you know, specific details or go to the ATM, but it's kind of like a cash payment electronically is sort of the idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things we sort of message a lot um, and we talk about is like, you know, so many of these things right now are getting built on top of the old stuff because it's like, oh, we can, you know, have uh, cryptocurrency payments or so we're going to bake them into debit cards or virtual uh, credit cards because those are easy enough to do, right? So I'm not saying those are bad, but it's easy to build on top of the old stuff that's already there on uh, the deals that are there. That stuff's really expensive, but it is what it is. But let's say you forget all of that, you know, and don't use all the stuff that's 40 or 50 years old and all these various pieces in the groundwork, the infrastructure that's there, totally reimagine it. And let's say, all right, let's rebuild payments purely digital using this, you know, crazy internet technology that we didn't even have, right? Like let's, literally reimagine what this looks like as a pure digital system and the digital assets that people have. And that's really what Flexa was born from, was not using any of the other stuff that's already there. And how do you just completely start over and not use any of the, you know, the groundwork? And it's been hard, but it's really reimagining what that process looks like. And so we're really proud of that. So that's actually been a really core part of what we've done. <clears throat> so Tyler, I've got two more questions for you if I can hold them in my head because they aren't exactly the ones that I wrote down. We'll do those. Um, then we'll open it up for folks who want to jump in. And then at that point, I want to transition. Well, whatever folks want to say. And then if I throw out other questions, there'll be a little bit more kind of like broad markety sort of stuff. But the first question I wanted to ask you, I, I know the two of them. Let's see if I can hold on to these um, is, <laughs> you know, you're a, you're a payments application. You've got this app, Spedden which is, a, for folks who don't know, is sort of a riff on the Biddle thing, which was hot during crypto winter when everyone was like, we're going to keep building and we're going to Biddle, which is related to HODL, like whatever. Anyway, mm -hmm. you've got the Spedden app, um, and there's other folks who can do payments through the Flexus technology as well. Um, but we know that most people in crypto are really, they're HODLing, they're not Spedding. Um, so, you know, what's your argument for folks to go ahead and spend or what it, What are the things you're learning about how, when and why crypto people want to spend that may not be obvious to someone like me who just mainly sees folks kind of stacking sats? You know, what have you learned about that kind of dynamic? Um, no, I think you're generally correct. Um, I think I've actually been surprised at the amount of people that do want to spell, uh, spend the invested assets, but it's going to be a smaller percentage for sure. Um, and certainly not something you could build a massive global payments network around. So I would say those sort of traditional assets, you know, Bitcoin and others are, are interesting from people spending. And we absolutely want to enable that. Um, so much as we are talking about the Dogecoin kind of ethos, but for us, the, there's the, a medium term and a longer term, and the medium term, which is already taking hold, is looking at the other digital assets that are built on these similar rails or distributed networks that are being really valuable, uh, USDC being a perfect example, um, or these other like algorithmic stable coins that could be interesting, or other synthetic tokens like uh, DAI or FAY or ALUSD uh, through Alchemix, right? It's tokens that you 
basically earn as like a deposit on your collateral that then the protocol will pay down your debt for free. So it's almost like a credit card that like pays off your credit card bill automatically. Right. It's like all what you can start to empower through DeFi. Right. So we're already looking at it right now is like all these things are becoming more and more prevalent where there went from, you know, a few billion dollars to now what 75 or something billion dollars worth of all of these digital assets out there and getting used. And they share all those same fundamental kind of components, even when Lasse mentioned around the Ethereum network and like, oh, wow, this felt more like money. It was easier, like how even, you know, the blockchain can be read, right? And like tokens and a contract, for instance, like that's all now harnessable through USDC. You know, USDC is on like four or five different chains, I think. And let me just, Tyler, let me me just pause you for one second. Just uh, uh, for folks who you probably do know, but just in case, a bunch of the things that he's talking about right now, they're all just various flavors of stable coins. So cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. that tend to sort of follow the US dollar or at least not have a lot of volatility compared to like, you know, the basket of common goods. So there's there's a bunch of those out there. There there's tons of that there's mountain piles of them and they've been useful in a variety of ways. Kind of the leaders are USDC and DAI. So anyway, sorry, keep going, Tyler, but just in case anyone didn't know that context. There you go. Oh yeah. That's um so I would I would add on to what you just said, Brady, which is absolutely correct. It's using all the technology that's out there but now building these other assets that are designed for payments they're mm-hmm. designed for throughput they're designed for transactions they're not investable um i really doubt there's many people holding on to die and getting as much as they can and trying to think it's going to be worth 10x in the future right so it's it's really the perception of what these assets are for right like they're actually used in this manner and so i think that's grown tremendously. So wait, let me say like that back nice, and see if yeah. see if this makes sense. So there's there's investable okay. assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, but yep. there's things you can do with that that generate other assets which are viewed which are stable. So they don't they're not inherently going to like you know moon, um, and folks can earn mm-hmm. those stable things with these investable assets. So it's a way that you can. So there is there is what you're saying is there's a world in which you can hold your investable assets earn these more spendable assets, which people like. And then as that economy grows, people will be more inclined to spend what they've earned off of their investable assets because they might as well, because they're not going to go up in value dramatically. Um, And so that's powerful. It's sort of what you're arguing. Uh, Yes, that's a part of it for sure. Okay. Um, It's sort of within this umbrella of using those tokens um, or even things like uh, Venmo, right? You could use Venmo, and use a ACH based system where you could just send people USDC because that's easier for mm-hmm. people. And especially as layer twos are really coming out of the gate now where you can actually do that, you know, permissionlessly for a few pennies, like that gets really interesting. Um, so I, I, I'm seeing the, the precipice of that um, and it's coming quickly. And then it's also other assets like, um, you know, the formerly known as Libra uh, DM, right. And other tokens or projects like that, that may or may not be uh, pegged one-to-one to a dollar. They might be backed by deposits. Um, things like uh, Lasse and me are both really big fans of Terra. Uh, it's, a, it's a blockchain, but other stable coin right. um, uh, launched out in Southeast Asia, which has now had literally billions of dollars of transaction volume. Yeah. So this, the Oterra token, I mean, this is very real numbers, and it's only two years old. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those are 
I wrote about it first. Designed for commerce. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect, right? So it's it's like they're designed for commerce. Well, so that one literally we, was designed for commerce. Yeah, I mean that was started yeah, by a bunch yeah. of uh, by a bunch of big e-commerce companies in in Asia exactly. that w- were hurting from credit card fees. So okay, so cool. Yeah, so and that's gonna, where it's so inevitable too. I mean, um, we've got because, one. Yeah. We've got one requested speaker here. Uh, other folks, feel free to join. Um, just mute yourselves until I call you, if you don't mind. I don't mind if folks want to make comments. You can tell us that everything we've said tonight is nonsense. That's totally cool, and we'll just <laughs> respond to it. Just keep it brief, if you could. Um, don't go on too long. But I, I, you know, comments or questions is totally cool. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask Tyler one more question, and then we'll start uh, bringing folks in again just want to remind folks uh this show is now a part of the space cast collective which you should all go hunt down uh it was on product hunt this morning there was a story about it in the verge oh i should share that i'll share that um and um and you can find it on any podcast player that you want it has a bunch of different shows that sort of deal with technological topics in different cool ways um you know sort of covering the news covering design covering social media this is kind of the crypto show in it. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you come on and speak, you, you are being recorded. So, uh, you know, you're kind of consenting to that. Just fair warning. So, okay, Tyler, just, I don't, I don't know how this was a, as you know, you've hinted, you know, you and I sort of stay in touch, you know, as uh, over time, pretty regularly, we talk on telegram a lot and things like that. And one time, I think during one of my sort of darker moments, when I was just like, ah, none of this is going to work out. Um, I was just like, I think I said something to you, like, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but I said something to you like, this is all garbage. Um, I don't feel that way very often. I want to be clear. Sometimes I do though. Um, and, and I was just like, it's never going to work until, until people are making, are getting their paycheck in crypto. It's just pointless. And you said, I'm working on that. I don't know how serious you were about that, but maybe you were just, I don't know, trying to make you feel better. Or you were like, I'm working on it in this vague, like 30 year plan kind of way. I don't know. So, so t- t- talk to me about that. Were you, is that really in your vision? and how much is it in your vision? And then if anyone else wants to ask questions or join in, start, start asking now. Uh, so it is both. Um, I always just want to make you feel better, Brady, because this stuff <laughs> is so excited, man. You can't like the, the ups and downs. It's so brutal. It just goes on like this to where when you realize fundamentally what this technology will start to, to like enable, uh, it's so inevitable. So there's, there's a little bit of that. Um, but there actually is very real though, at the same time in that, um, I'm not personally uh, working on on this, but I am working with other projects, uh, two in particular, that are enabling literally just that, where people are getting literally, actually three, are getting paid in various forms of crypto, whether it's the investable kind like, you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin, things like that, or stable coins. Um, But unfortunately, I can't mention them by name just because I haven't, uh, I think, one of them is really public. Um, they're talking about it, but I would be really hesitant to I, I mention the name know otherwise. Them. Uh, I okay. do know them as well, but I'm not <laughs> He's back. them either. But I think <laughs> I was back. Sorry, I was just checking in the hotel. Um, it's okay. But I do think it, it's it's correct. The key really is for crypto's <laughs> payments is that people every week or every month are getting at least part of their uh, salary paid in crypto and yeah. into a crypto wallet. Because they're not going to go to Coinbase every time and you know buy some USDC with their dollars, um, just so they can spend it. Um, but there are some extremely capable teams that are well funded, and uh, they're working into basically integrating this into HR software directly. So there's some exciting things coming up. Cool, great. All right, it's right. great to hear. All right, so let's hear. Let's welcome on the Green Guys. Uh, hey guys, thank you. <laughs> welcome. Uh, 
thank you. So my name is David. I'm really amped up about this entire project, Flexa. I mean, I'm I'm the admin of the Facebook uh, Amp Token group, and we have like I think 1,700 members as of today. And so you know, I, I see a lot of the questions and concerns about Amp Token. And so one of the big concerns is is an Amp Token. You know, just uh, sorry, Green Guys, but that's sure. kind of the Flexa staking token. Just so if, if folks don't know, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a collateral token. It collateralizes the transactions right. behind the scenes. Right. Right. Um, so so it, it, that's actually the exact question. There's a lot of people in the in the in the group are asking, and on Reddit too as well, where they have like nine thousand members. Uh, you know, they're asking. You know, Flexa is out there and they've got their PR going and they've got like this sheets. Uh, you know, PR going around and. All the time you see Flexa, 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 and AMP token is kind of like hidden under, you know, behind the scenes. You know, is there a reason why that is like that? Or is there like legal things where you can't, you know, advertise AMP token, where you see like, you know, all these other exchanges saying, oh, you know, you could buy Dogecoin here, you could do this. How, how come we never see really like, you know, AMP token being, you know, pushed out to the main street? Every now and again, you'll see AMP token, you know, like in some of these, uh, you know, PR, uh, you know, articles and stuff, but generally we don't see the marketing and the big push for AMP token. Is there a reason, like legal reasons why, or is that something that we just haven't jumped into because we're building the network? And so that's the first question. I have one other quick question right after. Uh, sure. Um, but uh, that is a long, and thanks for the question, by the way, and then all the support, obviously. Um, the more awareness we have and the more stakers we have, the more decentralized this is, the more participants, that is all very, very good. Um, that benefits the network tremendously, having more and more participation all over. Um, so in general, we are looking for that sort of awareness. Um, the short answer to, I guess, on maybe some of this marketing or some of the awareness pieces is what we're trying to build here and also get the message out of how Flexa works, why it's beneficial, particularly to merchants, uh, users, wallets, these tokens, um, you, you have to kind of like build the narrative in these stages. And if you start trying, it's already uh, either sounding too good to be true or technology they don't necessarily understand or integrations they don't understand. And especially in crypto when it's like, oh, and now there's this token involved. Um, it can it can be a little harder to digest um, even earlier when I kind of went through, you know, my really quick spiel, Brady's like, Hey, how does this actually all work? I had to be like, okay, here it all is. Right. It took me three to four minutes. of just talking fast to get through all of it. <laughs> uh, right. It's way easier to say, here is why Flexa matters. Here is what it is fundamentally changing. It's going to enable these assets to be spendable everywhere without any new hardware or software no fees the cheapest the fastest most usable network that doesn't use all the old stuff that is by far the most compelling what is flexa why have we done this why does it exist why is it going to be very very valuable to all participants and that's really the message we're looking to lead with and now as more and more wallets will join the network uh which is also we feel inevitable and there's lots of really good stuff that we're going to be announcing on that front very soon. Uh, mm -hmm. As more and more wallets are on the network, well, now that story starts shifting a bit more to, oh, well, how is AMP used? Uh, how can I financially benefit? How can I stake the network? What wallets am I going to stake? How do I participate? So it really will start evolving to that message. 
Um, but yeah. right now, the initial message is really on the merchant side and it, like letting people really understand, like, why is this meaningful? How does this literally work? And not hype and over promotion and, and promising or having vaporware that isn't there. Right. We and, really wanted right. to deliver this first. And David, um, I know yeah. you have I know you have one more question. That's really cool. Um, I just want to say also, I know. I, you know, just my reflection here as a somewhat outsider observer, but a guy who's written a lot about DeFi and follows it really closely is just one thing I will say is, um, you know, I'm sure if you're holding the AMP token, you want to see things move faster. That gives you a certain sense of ur- urgency. But one thing I've seen is, you know, I pay a lot of attention to the DeFi pulse charts and sort of where everyone's at on that. Because I know Tyler, I've, you know, I pay attention to where Flexa is, you know, on that chart because I just, he's one of the projects I'm familiar with. And, you know, man, it's really risen in the last few months. So uh, it does seem seem like things are moving and that must that must be powerful so um you know maybe it doesn't feel like it's moving as fast as it should but it's it's like from where, from where i'm sitting it's it's moving so i don't know something's something's working so what was your second question sorry go ahead all right second question that you guys can see the name of the uh, my company is the green guys so we're a cbd company we're not marijuana there's a and i don't want to go into the biggest explanation but cbd is a high-risk merchant for you know merchant processing so we're getting charged anywhere from three to seven percent you know transactions so we want to bring our company to be able to accept Flexa on our website, which are a Shopify app. Is that something that you guys are going to be able to do, like high-risk merchants, stuff like that, Ooh, because you're question. not part of the Visa network, or is it only going to be certain types of companies? Like, would you be able to accept CBD as a company? Um, oh, that's a fantastic question, and the answer is unequivocally yes, and we built this for those sort all businesses, right? So mm. anything where Receiving payments due to the cost complexity, otherwise, where that's hard, that's again something where Flexa is going to just really, really start to succeed. Um, going back to some of the the earlier pieces, getting uh, you know even some of our really strong legal footing and process and everything else as we're building these blocks, um, you know, we like the timeline and where it all fits. We're moving as fast as we can, uh, but that's something that we are. Very, very excited to enable and could pretty much commit to enabling. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of time. Um, awesome. but that's absolutely something we want to have in place. Sweet. We'd love to be the first uh, CBD company on the Flexus network. Absolutely. Well, keep, uh, send, send <laughs> us a note. Uh, we will definitely be in touch. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Sure. Um, so I'm not entirely sure the order here, but let's go with... Um, I'm, I'm bummed. You know, we had Charlie Lee in here for a second. I was hoping he's going to come up, but oh, well, uh, that was cool. Um, but let's have Thomas McLaughlin come up. What's up, Thomas? Hey, everyone. Hi, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing well, Thomas. Nice to see you or hear you. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, so, you know, one thing to kind of think about is like payments kind of brought a lot of us into crypto. And I think for a long time, it was kind of the hot topic of like, you know, even the Bitcoin white papers, like peer to peer currency. So one, why do you think that that narrative kind of fizzled out um, into basically every other player um, trying to issue kind of credit and debit cards? And then two, how do you think about um, kind of the like impending regulatory front because essentially like you're going for the jugular of like Visa and MasterCard and these are like billion dollar industries. So how do you think about kind of protecting yourself in that way and um, kind of building out without um, kind of like exposing yourself to um, attacks on that front? 
Uh, man, those are both those are good questions. The I'll answer the second one. Uh, starting there is um, on the regulatory side. So um, it really is even looking at that middle ground that I described before around these sorts of other assets, um, other stable assets using these technologies that we find to be very, very valuable, as well as other digital assets like um, loyalty points, as we've mentioned, right? Being able to use something like, you know, your Marriott Bonvoy points uh, in your app natively and spend at, you know, the Target or Walmart. I mean, that would be a super exciting use case for what Flexa can enable in the future. So those sorts of things are almost really outside a little of the scope of what is mainstream getting talked around some of these these cryptocurrencies and these other networks. So for Flexa as its largest long-term use cases, I don't really think there's that much overlap there. I mean, imagine me to use your bank uh, app, whatever bank account you have, or Venmo or any of these things, and you just have digital dollars or whatever those digital assets are, spending those now seamlessly in a fraud-free way. I mean, that's really where Flexa is going and our technology enables. So we're really not that concerned about sort of this big cloud around like kind of the crypto regulation sort of, I guess, perspective. That's not to say we don't care. I mean, we care a lot about it. And we think that enabling these other assets is also very, very interesting to us. And we want to enable that. So I think for that side of things, uh, and even a little bit to the question that I just answered, um, it's about just being compliant. So it's, it's acting in the best good faith possible. It's hiring the right legal teams right tax teams accounting teams everything to be really really vigilant and we really care about this stuff um and so it's you know spending the time the money the effort the diligence throughout our entire team of just always making sure we're as above board as possible and doing things to the highest caliber and you know staying ahead of that um so it's something we're never going to be perfect and things will all change but as they evolve, I think we feel really confident of where we'll be sitting and positioned and, and how we're contributing to that and just being just ultra compliant and doing everything we can to make it just. Uh, and this is also going to the very, very beginning, what we talked about being a, you know, this merchant payment network. This is something that these really large merchants need and, and require. We're not going to get multiple shots at all of this. And so we have invested in this network now over the years with this you know, explicit focus of uh, making it compliant, making it simple, making it cost effective, but being as well insulated as absolutely possible against um, those challenges that will be coming. And so with all of that, we also think that as it all unfolds, um, there'll be lots and lots of other assets that will be usable um, on our network that aren't even necessarily, you know, those sorts of cryptocurrency assets. So we feel great about it either way, uh, but we're absolutely committed to still enabling all the crypto assets as they are and doing everything we can to make that all still work. Um, and we're def we're really committed to that. Um, I just want to—I was going to say to the folks who are uh, listening, um, we'll do a, we'll do a few more questions and we'll probably wrap. Uh, Tyler, how much more time? Tyler and Lasse, how much more time do you guys have? I'm okay, but yeah, I have plenty of time. This is okay. fun. Okay.
Cool. Yeah, well, there was another question now too that I totally forgot. I'm sorry, Tom. We'll, we'll let him do it. I want to do one thing, Thomas. You can come I back on it. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> You're you. Well, I don't even know if you, what the. You don't know. It sounds like I just want to ask. We have this is. I think this is actually the largest spaces I've done yet. So it's, you know, good job, Tyler. Um, but um, payments but, are important, man. They are, and they're exciting. I just want to know how many people who are listening. It sounds like the answer is yes for Thomas. Um, just give us the the fist emoji if this is true. Are you in Miami right now, or are you going to be there before the week is over for Bitcoin Miami? G- give us some emoji if you're there. That's fewer than I thought. Okay. Well, just for folks, the first big gathering of crypto people sort of since uh, COVID kicked in is happening now. Tyler, is you're there, right? Tyler, you're on your own. You're on, you're on, you're on, I am. Um, yeah. Yes. Yep. It sounds like Thomas is there. So that's a few. All right. I thought there would be more. Oh, well. All right. Cool. So, all right. So let's do these next few. I'm just going to do them in the order I see on the, on the screen. I don't know how well you guys came on, but... Um, but Chris G, come up. What's going on, Chris? Hey, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak. Uh, sure. It's, it's a great uh, plan that you guys have going on here. And, uh, what really sold me was listening to one of the podcasts in which uh, the statement was made about how 2% of gross GDP was used to process payments. And that shocked me. Yeah. Um, the thing that uh, I'm, I'm prior service army, and so when we spent 3% of GDP on the, the military budget, I was like, wow, that's a lot of money that we could be saving. So I'm out here in Hawaii, and um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've realized from traveling all over is if uh, AFIs or the military exchanges could integrate this into a payment system, it, a lot of money would be saved on the back end on top of what the prices could be for consumers. And it'd be uh, just kind of like a suggestion if that's something that wasn't on your guys' radar. Um, and another thing is, what's going on with the state of Hawaii and uh, the expiration? For uh, are they going to be allowed to use Flexa uh, out here, and, and what can be done to change that if there's if there's a problem with uh, maybe it's like the local government or the, or the state government and keeping that going? Uh, oh, great question. Um, so uh, Hawaii. So going, man. Sort of a theme of some of this around the the compliance angles and some of the you know kind of behind the scenes complexity that's often there. Um, Hawaii has been a little more resistant than most states uh, around just digital assets uh, and particularly around payments. And they even have been uh, restrictive on issuing a money transmitter license license for like a payment processor, for instance, of certain digital assets. So that's often been a little restrictive. Um, I will say, though, again, in the theme of uh, what Flexa is really our ambition is for, um, the state of Hawaii issued, I believe it was eight um, preliminary, um, like money transmitter licenses around, uh, uh, digital assets as like a trial. It was part of their digital, like innovation lab, I believe it was. And Flexa is one of those. So Flexa is one of the very few entities that is allowed to actually use assets in this way, uh, for payments in the state of Hawaii. So we are actively looking at a variety of opportunities there, uh, and enabling payments. So, I would say if you could even reach out to us, um, either um, email is probably easiest. We have a variety of emails um, on our website. We would love to talk with you around what opportunities are there, but we actually can do that, and we're one of the few, and we would like to look at all of these opportunities. Anything that involves some sort of a retail transaction, uh, we're investing very heavily in to make that happen. Um, So we'd love to talk with you further about that. Yeah, thank you very much, because I've been going out of my way just to talk to, like, vendors, like, get your hair cut or the local pub, and 
you know, they all have these signs up specifically after the pandemic hit, you know, like we got to charge you an extra 4% and they're very clear about it. You know, if you use your credit card, we really like to get cash. And I've just been like, hey, you know, look at this Flexus system. But then when they go to the page and they see something like this where it's like, you know, they, the, pro, the program might end, they're, they're apprehensive. And so I really want to streamline this kind of switch over to this new payment system for these guys because they're hurting for cash and they want to make sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, one one thing that I haven't talked to specifically today that's also really important is thinking about merchants, smaller merchants and settlement times. So when you're looking at these traditional payment methods, um, there's a lot of time, sometimes up to two weeks or 48 hours or however long there is actually from from a payments being made and to funds hitting the merchant bank account. It can take quite a while, the, the settlement process. But remember, going behind the scenes of Flexa and having AMP as a fully backed collateral token. We're going to talk about all these other companies. All the payments are collateralized, so they're, they're essentially fully backed. So we're streamlining a lot of this, and I'll go to the very, very beginning again around being a merchant-focused network of we've intentionally done all these things to really make this work exactly the way the merchants have looked to set this up in terms of even the speed of dispersing payments is something that just really hasn't been done and maybe even can't be done due to how these legacy systems work. And so that's another um, kind of item I would throw in around how we've built this and one of the real values, just even smaller merchants or uh, even when you look at, not going on too much of a tangent, um, but like major airlines. So as we've looked to, you know, integrate potentially with, you know, airlines, um, right now they had so many cancellations. They had so many people book airline uh, travel and then just cancel their tickets and not go through that onerous process of trying to get refunds or get credits or all these other things. So they experienced massive, massive chargebacks. So credit card chargebacks, because it was just easier for consumers to charge these uh, charge back the transactions rather than try to get their money back through other means. And it got so bad that right now the major processes are withholding up to 50% of five zero percent of all funds going to an airline. They basically hold it for up to like 60 to 90 days for the payments of the transactions to clear. So you have all of these airlines right now operating on 50% of the actual revenue coming in because they can't get the funds dispersed to them because the processors won't do it because of the chargeback risk. So again, these are things that don't, those are, that's not exciting, right? So it doesn't get covered in the media or how this all works or like the intricacies, but like these are the very real problems that exist on a day-to-day basis. And if you're a, you know, multi tens of billions of dollar legacy airline and these are problems for you, you know, you can be really sure these are problems for the smaller medium guys that have zero clout, right? And can't even say anything around any of this. So I remember um, I remember yeah. when it was 2008 and the entire economy had fallen apart, you know, because of the financial crisis. And uh, I had worked for a bunch of small businesses in high school, you know, like little retailers and stuff and listened to the owners complaining about just, you know, what credit cards cost them, just what using credit cards cost them. And I got frustrated. <clears throat> I mean, this may not go well in a crypto room, but whatever. It does make the larger point. Uh, you know, folks were casting around looking for like, how could we stimulate small business? What could we do for the country to make business easier? And I was sitting there listening to all of that. And I was like, build a federalized payment system. I mean, that's what 
um, the ACH is, you know, the ACH system that like allows banks to transfer checks around the country. That was a federal system that was imposed because banks created too much chaos among themselves and they couldn't work things out correctly. And the federal government just stepped in and said, screw you guys, you're making a mess. We're just going to do this for you. And I was like, you know what? Create a federal payment system that just like knocks the credit card companies out of it. That would like be an automatic, you know, one to 3% win for every small business owner in the country. And that really adds up. Of course, that didn't happen. But but it makes it makes the larger point that like there's, <clears throat> there's all these inefficiencies in payments and anything that puts pressure on that uh, is good for everyone. Um, let's keep going. Um, so let's see here. Let's let's let yellow snow come up. What's up, yellow snow? Remember, you're being recorded. We're on space gas. Also, by the way, I want to say really quickly. I don't know if there was a weird sound thing that happened a second ago. Um, I was messing around with stuff on my phone and actually made something play. I don't know if it played over the over the player. Um, but I was looking. I, I just want to give a shout out to um, Emil Protolinsky, who's in here. Uh, he's a fellow member of the Space Cast Collective. I was like making sure I was right about uh, which show in the collective was his and actually started making the most recent show play. So I quit looking. I think it's the geek show. But anyway, so whatever. Welcome, Emil. That's why that happened. That was my mistake. But um, what's up, Yellow Snow? What's your question? Hey, uh, my question is, I'm seeing uh, more and more reports or a couple reports that the cashier doesn't even scared to even scan the barcode. Uh, Tyler, did you even think about this problem and all these problems that you that could come up? Did you laugh a little bit about, oh, wow, we're so new that everyone's scared that we're trying to hack the system or something like that? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and way, way more than you can ever imagine. Um, so it is sort of funny. Um, any any group of entrepreneurs that are really passionate about what you're doing, um, and especially us and our core team where we have you know decades of experience within payments, a lot of times people say, oh, well, what about this? Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. And it's like, oh man, like this is designed and has been studied and overanalyzed and put so much research into it. So the, the answer is, is yes. Uh, and one of the things that's so critical and Lasse even mentioned it earlier is you don't want to train anyone. Um, I would say training a cashier to accept payments or interact with new hardware, whether it's an iPad or any other device is like, the quickest way to be ushered out of a room and talking to a merchant because looking at it from their perspective, it's not just one store. They might have tens of thousands of stores and they have hundreds of thousands of employees that have all been trained to do a certain thing. They have legacy, you know, documentation, information, training pro- process, all this stuff. The last thing they even want to think of doing is say, Oh, that's going to change. Yeah. Thanks. But no thanks. Wait, but so, wait, so tell me, I mean, that makes sense to me intuitively, but square, I mean, Square did it, right? Oh, uh, yeah. They had a, a, a different value proposition, though. Uh, they went to the small and medium businesses, and they tried. They gave them some of that hardware that they might have been lacking. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, so they really had to package it. Uh-huh. Um, in a, And, you know, to that point, too, it just uses all of the legacy infrastructure anyway. They're still just a you know, a credit card gateway at the end of the day. So right, right. they didn't even really change any of that. But they gave the merchant something See, this is why a perfect example, there's other reasons too around just processing costs and economies of scale and whatnot, but that's why you don't see Square at any large merchant, right? right? They don't exist, right? So it's only really the ones that, and this is not a knock to Square by any means, by the way. So this is not meant to sound negative, but that's why it really fulfilled that small and medium business that couldn't accept credit cards any other way. Mm -hmm. If you remember what Square was when it first launched was that little card reader for your iphone remember right right. so i mean that's really what 
it started and got traction because if even if we wind back 15 years ago, accepting a, a physical plastic card without really expensive POS equipment, like wasn't possible. Yeah. So that's really what they enabled. So they actually did have a different value proposition, but no, that's exactly it is, is these merchants and, and rightfully so in every way want literally no change whatsoever. So all we did was try to make it this scannable code that we can say, hey, just scan this, just queue up your machine to scan this, however they need to do that, and it will work. <laughs> because we know what all of their hardware and software is, and so we encode them. They're actually way more flexible and backwards compatible than people Wait, give so them credit for. Let me pause yeah. you here, Tyler, because I, I didn't quite understand the question, and so I bet other people didn't either. So uh, what is being said here is that basically, like, if you walk up to Emergent and you want to pay with Flexa, you can generate some kind of barcode which works with many payment systems in a way that may be surprising to cashiers is sort of what is being said. Is that what I'm gathering? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's because there's so many other uh, like incompatible apps or other things that don't potentially work, um, especially around like digital gift cards. Those are really hard to use. A lot of people, I only say this just because I've also got uh, quite a bit of, uh, gift card experience and enabling like gift card acceptance as an example, um, where they just won't scan barcodes aren't read in the same way. They don't process the same way. So there's a lot of like kind of heartburn there sometimes. Um, but for us though, the codes that we've created and how the actual transaction works, um, is much more backwards compatible and there's a lot more intelligence and kind of sophistication than even it's apparent. Um, and so we're just trying to make it as simple to where you can say, I just want to pay with my phone. And as long as they enable the scanner, they can scan it. But more importantly, so again, this is uh, kind of as some of the themes that we've talked about, even talking about Flexa and then onto AMP and other things, really, it's still this, this building block process. So this is the way that it kind of works now is like showing how these payments can work. But you've probably already seen some of the um, uh, promotions that we've already teased out. And this is also how Sheets will work is that it'll just say play, pay with Flexa. And this is an, a button literally enabled on the point of sale itself. So through our NCR partnership, that's where we're now already migrated towards to where it'll even be beyond that now. So it's going to be it's like unique payment method where it's literally just a button that will enable the payment process of any Flexa enabled app, whether it's a scan or scanning your phone or scanning the terminal. So we're already implementing that. So um, to the question that was just out there, that is real for sure. We've tried to mitigate it as absolutely best as we can to make it really simple and straightforward for folks. But at the same time, we're moving very quickly even into the next phase where people now can even say, whatever app you have, I want to pay with Flexa, right? And that will just be a thing where they know to tap a button and then it can now make the payment, whatever asset that is. Hey, so thanks everyone for listening to Lightbulb Talks. Again, I'm Brady Dale here, a part of the SpaceCast Collective on Twitter Spaces. Um, quick apologies. We lost the last question. My SD card filled up. I had made a little bit of a rookie error there. So, um, you know, it was a good question. 
your life has not been ruined by missing out on the answer. Um, I have ordered a much larger SD card now, so <laughs> that won't happen again. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Um, again, I would love to have you follow me on Twitter at Brady Dale and join us live for Spacecasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, feel free to hop on stage and ask a question, but otherwise, it's glad it's good to have you here, and hopefully, you will keep listening. Uh, here on the Spacecast Collective, uh, to Lightbulb Talks, the crypto conversations, and of course, the other things on here as well. And uh, we'll continue our discussion of DeFi, crypto, and emotions in subsequent conversations. Thanks for joining us, and peace. Peace.